Hi, this is Pastor Bob. Did Jesus go to hell for us? You know, the Bible says that Jesus went to the uttermost, died for us to the uttermost. What does that mean? We're going to talk about that today. Open up your heart, open up your mind. We're going to learn things today that maybe you've never seen from the Word of God before. Let's go to the Word of God together. For more than 40 years, Bob Yandian has been an expositor of the Bible, making seemingly complicated doctrine easy to understand. Grab your Bible and something to take notes with and study the Word of God with Pastor Bob Yandian. Welcome and greetings to you from Pastor Bob Yandian. We're here with uh, the Student of the Word broadcast. Glad to have you here today. And if you'll turn to Matthew chapter 8, we're going to take a look at verses 1 through 4 and uh, deal with the section of Scripture. And today I want to talk to you. In fact, I'm going to separate this broadcast into two sections. The first half of the broadcast, about 15 minutes or so, we're going to talk about two birds. And the second half, we're going to talk about two goats. But all of it have to do with Jesus' redemption for us on the cross. And the two sparrows that we're going to talk about first, the two birds, one is Jesus, one is us. When it comes to the two goats, that represents the dual death of Jesus on the cross in that he died both spiritually and naturally. And spiritually doesn't mean he ceased to exist. When we die naturally, our body ceases to exist and falls into the ground. But there's a part of us that goes on. And even after our physical death, there is either spiritual life or spiritual death. Spiritual life, we go to heaven. Spiritual death, we go to hell. And uh, based on the decision we made in life. And so Jesus, when he died physically on the cross, of course, he had a new body three days later. But also during that time, he also was separated from the presence of God. That is spiritual death. We'll talk about that. But in the first half of this broadcast, I want to bring out to you about two birds. In Matthew chapter 8, this is part of a section on, on healing, and uh, it runs from the end of chapter, or literally from chapter 4 to chapter 9 of Matthew. All this has to do with healing. In the midst of it, chapters 5, 6, and 7, we have the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus was training his disciples. And part of it was training on healing, how to minister healing. Of course, they came down from the mountain and flunked the test. They couldn't cast the devil out of a little boy. They were so upset about it. And Jesus had to come over and do it, but told them it was because of their unbelief. And so again, it was a constant training session. But in Matthew chapter 8 and Matthew chapter 9, we leave the healing of the multitudes and we go to individual healings. And the individual healings are to amplify what was said about Jesus back in those other chapters, that he healed every sickness and every disease among all the people. There was not a person he didn't heal. There was not a disease he could not heal and did not heal. But now we come to this, and when it was talking about that, it mentioned all these people from different places. And so if he heals everybody, that means young and old, male, female, educated, uneducated, black, white, you name it, you know, and, and that's what we face here. In chapters eight and nine, he healed every kind of person from rich people to poor people, from incurables to, to everything down to a headache. Of, I mean, pardon me, a fever that uh, Peter's mother-in-law had. So let's take a look here at Matthew chapter eight, verses one through four. It says, when he came down from the mountain, great multitudes followed him. But, not, but notice we're not going to be talking about multitudes now. We're going to talk about individual cases. And behold, a leper came and worshiped him saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Then Jesus put his, out his hand and touched him saying, I am willing, be cleaned. 
Immediately his leprosy was cleansed and Jesus said to him, tell no one, but go your way, show yourself to the priest and offer the gift that Moses commanded as a testimony to them, that is the priests. He simply said, don't tell anybody right now. As soon as you've done this, you can tell everybody how I've set you free, but we have to go back and keep the law because Jesus said when he came to this earth, I came in the volume of the book. It is written of me to do your will, O God. He came to fulfill the law and the prophets. So he said, I, you have to go do this first because the, the book of Leviticus tells us this. So again, he said there in this verse of scripture, Lord, if you're willing, I want you to notice the boldness of this leopard, literally come out where people were because he wanted his healing so bad. He didn't care about staying outside the camp where lepers were supposed to be. He walked right up to Jesus. And the first case we have of an individual being healed in the book of Matthew is an incurable case. We have a man here with leprosy. Leprosy is a type of sin in the word of God. Let me tell you a little bit about leprosy. The seed for leprosy was inside of a person from the time they were born. And we don't know what caused it. They don't know what caused even in those days because the parents could not have had leprosy, but there was a seed inside. It didn't manifest itself until later. And what was inside had been there all the time, came out and began to show itself on the outside. So it is with sin. We are born sinners. That seed is inside of us. And after a while, when we get old enough, it starts to come out. Bible says that uh, foolishness is bound in the heart of a child. It starts out in here, but then it comes to the outside. And uh, you know, people often say, well, I don't believe that. Well, have a child and you'll find out. It won't take very many days, weeks down the road to where they're going to be screaming out and demanding their own way and all of this, and it's just there. And so the Bible says that because why? They were born with it. We were born under Adam's curse. And so it came to the outside. And, and for man, this is impossible. This man was could not be cleansed by any method of man. It is the modern day AIDS or others that we have that we call it, consider incurable. And so again, Jesus though said, no, I'm willing to be clean. And Jesus actually put his hand on him. Boy, I mean, the people must've just gasped when they saw this man that was a leper coming out of, out of where they usually were and coming right into where everybody else was. And then coming up and say, would you cleanse me? And Jesus said, sure, I will. He reached out and touched him. And then his leprosy was cleansed immediately. I mean, it was gone. So whatever was on the outside, all the sores were gone. And then the cause of it on the inside was taken care of also. Jesus said to him, tell no one, but go your way. Show yourself to the priests and offer the gift that Moses commanded as a testimony to them, that is the priests. Now, again, when cured again, it took a miracle. Jesus here healed this man because again, this thing was inside him. It took a miracle and Jesus did it. The healed leper went to be inspected by the priest and took an offering of two sparrows. Now, the two sparrows here was part of it. I'm sure this man had to look it up or else he got there. And according to the law, even the priest could get the sparrows for him. But once he was healed, he had to come and be inspected before he could be allowed back into the camp because they lived on the outside of the camp. This is a type of a sinner. Sinners are those who live outside the camp. We're told this in the book of Colossians, walk in wisdom toward those that are without. It said Jesus in Hebrews was crucified outside the camp. And so that's referring to he was among sinners when he was crucified. He died for our sins. He became a sinner for us on the cross. And so again, this is what it was. And so, but the, this man who was now set free had to go be inspected by the priest so he could come in. So in Leviticus chapter 14, let's take a look at verses one through seven. Here we have a story and it's interesting because I'm sure when this happened, the priest didn't know what to do because they never had to open up to this section of scripture. Leviticus chapter 14. I'm sure when this man came to them and said, I've just been healed of leprosy. And they go, okay. He says, I'm supposed to come see you first. They go, okay. And they probably got together and said, I think I've heard something about this. And they had to literally go get a section of scrolls, blow the dust off of it, open it up and read something that had not been handled because no priest had ever had to handle this. The Lord spoke to Moses in Leviticus chapter 14, verse one through seven. 
The Lord spoke to Moses saying, this will be the law of the leper for the day of his cleansing. He will be brought to the priest and the priest will go out of the camp. Notice you have to go out there to inspect him. This man couldn't come into the camp. Even though he had been healed, he could not come in the camp. They had to go out there to inspect him and the priest will examine him. And indeed, if the leprosy is healed in the leper, then the priest will command to take for him who is to be cleansed two living and clean birds. Now the Hebrew word here is sparrows, the cheapest bird you can get. In fact, we're told in the word of God that don't two sparrows sell for a farthing. That's about three eighths of a cent. That's how cheap they were because listen, the one who brought it was a a leper and they had no money. They could probably at least borrow three eighths of a cent to go buy these things. And so it said they were clean birds, cedar wood, scarlet, and hyssop. And the priest shall command that one of the birds be killed in an earthen vessel over running water. As for the living bird, he will take it, the cedar wood and the scarlet and the hyssop and dip them. That's all of them into the live in and the living bird into the blood of the bird that was killed over the running water. He will sprinkle it seven times on him who is to be cleansed from the leprosy and pronounce him clean and shall let the living bird loose into the open field. Again, this passage was probably never used. And when I say probably, I'm emphatically saying it was not used. This passage was probably never used because the two recorded cases of healings in the, in the Old Testament was first of all, before the law, this was Miriam. And she was struck with leprosy. And of course, we know the story when she repented immediately, it was taken away from her, but she withstood Moses and she and her brother Aaron decided they could run the camp as good as Moses could because Moses was about to marry another woman in the desert. And Miriam became jealous being the sister of Moses. She probably had a lot of input and she now realizes I would be shoved to the side for his new wife and she didn't like it. And the second one was a Gentile. The first one was before the law, Miriam. And the second was a Gentile, not under Jewish law. And this was Naaman the leper. And of course, he came to Elisha. Elisha gave him what to do. He went and dipped in the Jordan River seven times and came up totally clean. Well, since he was not a Jew, but a Gentile, he didn't have to go by Jewish law. So neither one of these had come, the two recorded cases. Now, if there was others in the Old Testament who were healed of leprosy, we're not told about it in the word of God. I simply come back to this, probably this passage had never been opened up before. Part of the law that I'm probably sure they look at and say, well, no, we'll never use that because no leper can get healed. It is incurable. So the man healed by Jesus and the priest he went to had to look up the passage in Leviticus to know what to do. Sparrows, again, were the cheapest of birds, three-eighths of a cent. And that's what Matthew tells us in chapter 10, that two of them were sold for a farthing. And I'm sure that's what this was for, because the man was supposed to bring two birds, the sparrows. So the bird killed was a type of Jesus who was crucified on the cross and we are the bird that lived, covered with the water and the blood of the slain bird. We and the bird were released and free. We as the bird were released and then freed, whom the son has set free is free indeed. Let's talk about that. You and I, when we were uh, coming to Jesus, need to be born again. We're lost and dead in our trespasses and sins. We needed somebody to identify with us. And so we have two birds. Notice it's exactly like Jesus was a human. We were human. The two birds speak of the fact that equality, that a man died for a man. Although Jesus himself was free from the curse because he was born of a virgin, all that by all outward appearances, he was just a 
human being. And Jesus went to the cross and died for us. His blood was shed for us when they stabbed him in the side. After he died, out came water and blood. And that's exactly what we have here. Then we have that, that when the first bird was slain, its blood was mingled with water and put into a bowl. And then there was hyssop and scarlet and all these other things along with the living bird. All those were dipped into the blood and the water and the running water of the first bird. And then the second bird was allowed to go free. We are the second bird. Jesus died for us, was slain for us. His blood was shed for us. And we were placed into that blood and the blood of Jesus Christ cleansed us from all sin. And then we were allowed to go free because why? Whom the son has set free is free indeed. You can shout, that's okay. I'm shouting on the inside right now. In other words, we should have died because of our sinful condition, but Jesus died for us, taking our place. Jesus was the righteous dying for the unrighteous. He was the obedient one dying for the disobedient ones. He was the living one dying for those that were spiritually dead. All praise goes to Jesus for what he did. So this story again tells us that when it came to, what was it for? For curing something that was uncurable. Man cannot cure the sin problem. Only the blood of Jesus Christ can, accepting Jesus as our Savior. And the moment that happens, Jesus Christ reconciled us to the Lord. And when he went to the cross, the righteousness of God was satisfied when Jesus became unrighteous for us and then and then shared that with us. Now we have the righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ and we can shout it to the rooftops. I'm going to heaven because of what Jesus did for me on the cross. And so again, I will see you after the break, but I simply want to say thank you to all of my partners out there. You've made this possible and you've accepted Jesus. You've been dipped in the blood of Jesus. Your sins are now gone and your sharing of your wealth and your income with me uh, to help this broadcast get out. I want to thank you a lot, and I will see you right after the break. I've been waiting on this book, Theology Simplified. This is a class I teach at Karis Bible College, and it's my favorite class. I think the students' favorite class is there. And I've been waiting to put this into a book. It's eight different theological terms that sound difficult but actually are very simple. I just simply think the Bible sometimes is filled with complicated sounding words, but you break it down, it becomes very simple. This book is called Theology Simplified. Let me tell you what all it covers. It covers predestination. It covers reconciliation and sanctification. It covers glorification, justification. Redemption, propitiation, and election are all covered in this book. And again, big words with simple meanings. I bring it down to you. When I used to pastor at the church, I would even tell, I'd say, housewives, you that are listening out there today in the congregation, this is designed for you too. The Word of God is not difficult. Go to my website, bobbyandian.com. You'll find how you can have a copy for yourself. Blessings upon blessings to you. Bob Yandian Ministries is training up a new generation in the Word of God. Because of your generosity and faithfulness, this teaching ministry is able to change countless lives. You will never know until you get to heaven how many people received Jesus, were filled with the Holy Spirit, healed, or found God's will for their life through your support and prayers. If you would like to become a partner with Bob Yandian, visit our website at bobyandian.com and click on Partnership. 
Welcome back to the broadcast. Turn with me to Leviticus chapter 16 while you're looking there. And I had you in Leviticus chapter 14 before, but go to chapter 16 if you would with me while you're going there. At the closing of the first half of this broadcast, I mentioned partners. And I want to thank you for being a partner. If you would like to be a partner, join in with this wonderful group. Join in with basically my disciples that are following after me, okay, and following the message that I'm preaching, all that. And, and again, if you'd like to join them, then go to my website, bobyandian.com. You'll find a place on there where you can become a partner with me in this wonderful group of people that have the same heart for getting not only the gospel out there, but the word of God to create disciples. That's the main thing on my life because the, the, Great Commission is divided into two parts. Go, you know, preach the gospel and they'll be saved. And second of all, go and teach them, making disciples out of them. That's the emphatic part of my ministry. I love seeing people say, but my greatest joy comes in watching through the weeks and months as I pastor them to watch their lives begin to change. They become more stable. Their family becomes better than ever. The job increases. Finances begin to come to their life and they begin to share it with the church, share it with missionaries. And this becomes, again, discipleship. So this is what I'm called to do. Bob Yan. Indian.com. You'll find a place there on the face page where you can become a partner with me. Leviticus chapter 16 talks about two goats. We talked about the two sparrows in the first half of this broadcast. Now we're going to talk about two goats and these two goats represent Jesus and they represent two deaths that Jesus went through. The physical death was one goat. The spiritual death represented the other one. And yes, I believe in the spiritual death of Jesus on the cross. If you don't agree, why don't you just sit there quietly disagreeing with me, but just listen to what I have to say. Because I believe if Jesus died for those and saves to the uttermost, he had to go to the uttermost because I was spiritually dead before I received Jesus as Savior, and he had to take that upon himself. Everything as a sinner that I had, he literally became the sins I committed on the cross, but he also was separated from God in spiritual death for three days and three nights until he paid for my redemption. Once he paid for my redemption, he had no sins of his own to keep him in hell. He went to hell because he bore my sins. He was separated from God because he bore my sins. And that wasn't just on the cross. It was for those three days and three nights he was there because if I die, I end up going to hell. I believe Jesus was three days and three nights. Not only was his body in the, in the grave, but he went to the heart of the earth, the very center of the earth. Jesus said this when he said, as no, as, as Jonah was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, so shall the son of man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The heart of the earth was not on the top up here where the, where the graves were. No, it was down here in the midst of the earth. Jesus went there. I don't think he suffered for us. I think he simply went there because he bore our sins. But after three days and three nights, he paid for those and he couldn't be kept there. Nothing could keep him there because he had no sins of his own. And he was released from there. And when he came up then out of the grave, he came up as a brand new creation in his body. And then also he again was back in that special place with God where the debt, where the debt had been paid and Jesus Christ died for it. But we're going to see this in the two goats that we have here. One represents, again, the uh, physical death of the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross. The re second one represents the spiritual death of Jesus. In Leviticus chapter 16, take a look at verses 5 through 10. And here it says, speaking of the priest, he shall take from the congregation of the children of Israel two kids of the goats as a sin offering and one ram as a burnt offering. This happened once a year on the Day of Atonement or just before the Day of Atonement when these two goats were brought. And this is where we get the story of 
of the scapegoat. One was a goat that died, but the other was a scapegoat. Aaron shall offer the bull as a sin offering, which is for himself and make atonement for himself and for his house. He shall then take two goats and present them before the Lord at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. Then Aaron shall cast lots for the two goats, one lot for the Lord and the other lot for the scapegoat. And Aaron shall bring the goat on which the Lord's lot fell and offer him as a sin offering. But the goat on which the lot fell to be the scapegoat shall be presented alive before the Lord to make atonement upon it and to let it go as the scapegoat into the wilderness. So let me just boil it all down to this. Two goats were brought before the priest. And Aaron was the priest here. The two goats that were brought before him, one represented the fact that it had to die. The other was going to be released out into the wilderness. And the one that was, of course, to die was then slain and all the things that were done for it. But before that, they cast lots for it. You know, heads you win, tails you lose. I mean, that was a very important one for those goats. But one of them lost. And of course, he had to die physically died. The other one was just released out into the wilderness. But here's the thing. The one that died represented the physical death of Jesus on the cross. And he was on the cross for about six hours. And finally at the end, he said, Father, into your hands, I dismiss my spirit. And he gave up the ghost and he died on the cross. But we know that we're more than one being. We know that when you and I physically die, we have an inward part that either goes to heaven because we've received Jesus as our savior, or it goes to hell because we've rejected Jesus as our savior. Some of you out there might be saying, I don't believe in heaven and hell. Well, the Bible says it. And here's the point. What if you're wrong? I mean, here you are saying, I don't believe it when God said it, when God's in his word. I don't care. I just don't personally believe in it. Are you willing to gamble your entire eternity on your own opinion? Why don't you decide this? If God created this earth and God created everything around me and God wrote the Bible and he calls it not a truth, but the truth, the word of God is the truth then why don't you just accept it as the truth? And listen, put your own feelings aside and accept Jesus Christ as your savior and understand because of that, you're gonna go to heaven. Listen, if you've never accepted Jesus, open your heart right now. It doesn't even have to be a prayer. I mean, we often talk about the sinner's prayer and that's great. I have no problem with that. I lead people in a sinner's prayer, but you don't have to. All it is is believing in Jesus Christ as the Lord and the Savior of your life. It's simply a decision. I'm going to get off the throne of my life because I have messed it up until now. I can't remember anything I've hardly done right at all. I'm just a mess. And all my decisions were based on my emotions or what I thought about something. I need somebody outside of myself. I'm getting off the throne of my life. And Jesus, I'm going to accept you as the Lord of my life. I'm turning my life completely over to you. At this moment, that you say that when you got off the throne, Jesus sat there on the throne. And from now on, believe me, you're going to have some supernatural guidance in your life. But on top of that, the most important thing, the moment he sat down on the throne of your life, you're headed toward heaven, no longer toward hell. Hell is the place where people rejected Jesus, heard about him, he kept saying, no, 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 and finally died and ended up separated from God for eternity. There is no point after that to where you can re-accept him or, now, or you can come back and say, Lord, I, I know I've been rejecting you, but now that I'm in hell, listen, I promise you, I want to accept you now. No, there is nothing after salvation. It's appointed unto man once to die and then the judgment. It goes on to say in this verse of scripture, Aaron shall bring the goat on which the Lord's lot fell and offered as a sin offering. And so this is the one that is slain. But the second, when the goat on which the lot fell to be the scapegoat shall be presented alive before the Lord to make atonement upon it and to let it go as the scapegoat into the wilderness. The first goat 
that was killed physically represent the physical death of Jesus Christ on the cross. The second goat that was released into the wilderness, here's what happened. Aaron took that goat and laid his hands on the scapegoat and took all the sins of the nation and put it on this scapegoat. They probably laid hands on the first one when that, when that goat died. It represented him dying for our sins, but this second goat representing him judging our sins. And that scapegoat was released into the wilderness. This is what happened when Jesus died. Physical death on the cross, his body died, but his inward man was released into the wilderness, which means he went to hell for us for three days and three nights. But after three days and three nights, the price was paid. But before that goat went in the wilderness, the hands were laid of the priest on him, representing God the Father, laying all our sins on Jesus. And Jesus took it away. And here's the good news. After three days and three nights, the price was paid. You and I have been redeemed eternally. And whenever that scapegoat was out there and gone after the third day, it represented the fact that after three days, Jesus Christ arose from the dead. He could not be held in hell any longer. You know why? He had no sins of his own. Once my sins were paid for, once your sins were paid for, once everybody's sins were paid for, past, present, and future, after three days, Jesus Christ arose from the dead, grabbed the keys of death and hell, opened up the uh, cells where all the Old Testament saints, where it's called paradise, opened that up and those people released and they went to heaven with him. And then he, again, had to be the first one to go there. They went with him, then he came back. And of course, then he came out of that grave and then he showed himself to his disciples. But the point of it was, this was after he was raised from the dead. The two goats, the goat that died and the scapegoat represented the natural and the spiritual death of the Lord Jesus Christ, separation from God the Father for three days. On the cross, Jesus said this. He said at the end of it, Father, into your hands I dismiss my spirit. But twice before that, he called him God. And on the cross, when he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He could no longer call him Father. He had to call him God because when he took sin upon himself, that relationship he had with God had altered on the cross. And then literally for three days and three nights, he suffered. But after three days and three nights, when he had paid the price for our sins, God the Father raised him from the dead. The power of the Holy Spirit raised him from the dead. And Jesus Jesus Christ came out of that grave and he came out of that grave with a brand new physical body. And Jesus came out of that grave as a new birth representative for you and me that we can be born again. So it comes back to it. Jesus was gone for three days and three nights. Does the Bible say Jesus went to hell? Well, yeah, it does. Let me give you some scripture on that. That during those three days, he ended up in hell. Listen, if I'm supposed to go to hell for my sins and Jesus died to the uttermost for me, he had to go to the uttermost for me. Psalm 22 verses four through six. Our fathers trusted in you. They trusted you and they, and you delivered them. They cried to you and you were and were delivered. They trusted in you and were not ashamed. But I am a worm. The Hebrew word here is tola and no man, a reproach of men despised by the people. This is what Jesus did for us on the cross. But what about the three days and three nights that he was in the heart of the earth? Jonah chapter two is a prerequisite and a prophecy of what happened to Jesus in verses one, two, and six. Jonah chapter two, then Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God from the fish's belly. And he said, I cried out to the Lord because of my affliction. And he answered me and out of the belly of Sheol, notice he called the belly of the whale, Sheol, which is the word for hell. So out of the belly of hell, I cried and you heard my voice and you have brought up my life from the pit. He called this the pit. He called it 
hell while he was in there. Why did he do that? Because it was prophetic. In Matthew chapter 12, verses 39 and 40, Jesus said to them, that is the Pharisees and those coming against him, an evil and adulterous generation seeks after a sign and no sign will be given to you except for the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the son of man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth earth. He's talking here about, I will be in the heart of the earth, not just in a physical grave. I'm going to the center of the earth. And just as it was stated back there in the book of Jonah, he said, I am in hell. I'm in Sheol. I've been going down here. And he said, and basically I'm not only in the whale's belly. He could see past that. He saw all the way to the time when he would be a type of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ went back and reported that. So the scapegoat was released into the wilderness. And the righteousness of faith, Romans chapter 10 tells us this, speak in this wise, do not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down from, or down from above, or who will descend into the abyss. That's the Greek word there. That's the, that's the word for hell. That is to bring Christ up again from the dead. The point of it is you and I couldn't do it, but God the Father did, raised him from the dead. Thank God Jesus died for us, took our sins, and now we are the righteousness of God in Christ. Think on that for a while. I'll see you next time. You can order resources, become a partner, or browse free articles and podcasts by visiting our website at bobyandian.com. You can also join our mailing list and receive weekly devotions and the latest ministry updates. If you would like to contact Bob Yandian Ministries, visit bobyandian.com and click on Contact. To contact us by mail, use the address on your screen. Thank you for watching today's broadcast. We'll see you next time on Student of the Word with Bob Yandian.